How do you get over your heartbreak from making art? Our guest Panchami is well-versed in navigating through challenges of trying out different mediums. Her curiosity led her to keep going and to pursue watercolor despite heartbreaks. She has an engaged community of advocates. Her socials are filled with mini tutorials that would cater to anyone who would like to learn watercolor. In this episode, we talked about subjects to paint when starting with watercolor, the quick tip to getting your way around brush control, tips to level up your watercolor skills, where to draw inspiration and how to translate them into painting, how to overcome heartbreaks in art by putting something of your own in it. If you want to be part of the conversation, then send in your questions and topics you want us to cover to hello at etrolab.com. Hey, this is Jesse, and I'm an artist and studio host for Etrolab. We believe in your power to create, so we invited artists from all around the globe to inspire you to keep on creating. So join us on this journey and let's celebrate creativity. This is Make More Art, the podcast. I'm Panchami. I'm a watercolor artist and uh, I try to, uh, I love to paint with a lot of different mediums. Like I've painted acrylics, I've painted with poster colors, gouache, uh, but watercolor is something that really stuck to me and I really enjoy painting with watercolors. So this is not something that I started as a, ch- uh, you know, as a child. Oh. So what happened is, uh, yeah, this is something that I dabbed into three to four years ago. So what happened was I quit my job and I moved to Malaysia and uh, I was jobless and I thought I'll not work, but then I got really bored. <laughs> so that's when <laughs> I just got and okay. pick up brush and yeah, out of boredom, I actually picked up brush and uh, mostly because I was seeing a lot of um, uh, inspirational, you know, a lot of process videos on Instagram and YouTube. So they look pretty easy and very catchy. So I just thought, okay, I can do it. But when I really tried it out, it was heartbreaking and because you know the process videos when you see look very pretty and it looks easy but it really is not you need to put in a lot of work you need to put in a lot of practice so initially it was a lot of heartbreaks but I really wanted to you know just get that effect or whatever I'm seeing I wanted I wanted to be able to do that so it took a lot of practice started with uh, simple things simple subjects and over time I just you know, tumbled upon certain techniques and I was like, oh, this is how you get this. And, you know, that's how I started experimenting and doing uh, different subjects, different topics, different techniques, all the different uh, kind of effects that we see in watercolor. But uh, what I would like to say is uh, somehow in my mind, I had it that I I need to do this and I somehow I need to crack it. (laughs) So that's that's what, you know, uh, pushed me through this whole process and it took a lot of practice. Uh, it looks so easy when you put up a video, but you know, when I try it, it doesn't come up like this. I don't get this effect. But the thing is, whatever they see is result of my two years of practice, right? Somebody who's just doing it for the first time will definitely not get, you know, maybe yes. it, it has to be fluke or they must be really talented to just get it right in the first few right. uh, tries. So everybody has a different learning curve different time they take to learn certain things but that's how it that's how I taught myself did a lot of practices a lot of failures a lot of heartbreaks but then I still have sometimes heartbreaks because it's not like every time everything turns out great Mm -hmm. but yeah you have to you have to just hang in there and keep trying I love everything you just said from out of boredom 
and yeah. then trying out and having heartbreaks and then practicing. Yeah. And I love when you said that out of, you know, you really want to crack it. I think that was the yeah. word that you used. You really want to yes. crack it. So you kept on practicing. And yeah. looking at your artworks right now, Panchami, I am just mm -hmm. blown away because you can definitely paint using different mediums and subjects, which a lot of your followers ask you for tutorials and yeah. you know videos because they were just really amazed by how you were able to paint all of those subjects. You talked about having a learning curve. So mm -hmm. how long did it take you to really know that watercolor is something that I really want to work on. Yeah, so yeah. as I said, so when I just tried first few, you know, tutorials of watercolor, what I saw on these uh, social media, that's when I knew that I wanted to do it. And then when I tried, I liked the effect. I like the way the paint moves. It's not very rigid like any opaque medium. Mm -hmm. So watercolor is very unpredictable, right? So uh, when you just put it on paper, it's left to you how you control it. And sometimes you just can't control it. But yet you get, you know, a beautiful effect out of it. That's what I love about watercolor. So it's not like nothing can go wrong, actually, because it's very loose. It's a loose medium and it's a, a transparent medium. So unless and until you just see that it looks ugly to you, then that's, a, you know, you just scrap it out. But otherwise, I just feel that it flows and somehow you can work, work through it. It always comes up you know, as a, as a unique art piece at the end of the day, you're not, you're not always trying to just make a photocopy of your reference picture. Mm -hmm. You're just taking inspiration from something and you just play with the colors in watercolor. That's right. That's, that's, that's how I feel about it. I, I, I have to agree, but I would also like to ask you, because this is a common, I guess, misconception or a common notion for, for a lot mm -hmm. of people who are starting out, but Watercolor can be very tricky and difficult. Yes. And I know you mentioned that you've also tried acrylic. Mm. If you compare those two, for anyone who would be starting out and not knowing which medium to start mm -hmm. with, what would be your tip? For me, from my personal experience, I started with acrylics. That's oh. what I, uh, yeah. So, okay, there's a backstory for this. My mother is an artist as well. So uh, she tried to teach me when I was a kid, but I used to just run away. If she just you know, <laughs> made me sit and paint or draw, I would like, ah, no, I don't want. I just, I used to just run away. She used to teach other kids. Wow. I used to draw for them, but I never drew for myself. Okay. So it was, it was like, I just, was just not interested back then. Then, it, you know, it has to come from within. Nobody can force you to uh, make art. So, so the, since then, when my mom used to make me paint with watercolor, I used to hate it, but she was adamant that she has to make me paint. So that's when I told her, okay, I don't like this. And she got me acrylics and poster colors. So I found that easier mm -hmm. back then when I was a kid. So yeah. that was like for when I was 10 years old or something, but then I stopped painting after that. But then later on, as I grew up, when I wanted to paint something, I used to always fall back to acrylics because it was easy. And I would say that uh, it's good to start with acrylics because you will get confident with the brush strokes. Mm -hmm. You have to paint within the line, at least at some point of time, so that you know how to control the paint or you, to control your stroke where, the, where you want to apply the paint. So when you work with acrylics, at least you are confident with the brush strokes. Mm -hmm. So that I, I, would, I think that helped me a lot that, you know, to control the paint or to know how to move the brush how to move a flat brush or how round brush works 
how a thin liner brush works. So I just knew that because I had already worked with acrylics. But having said that, yeah. acrylics and watercolor is totally different. I would yes. just say that only <laughs> it, it, maybe it might help you a little bit with controlling the brush. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it won't be like you just, it's an open field and you just don't know what to do. At least you have some practice with that. That's a really good tip about starting with acrylic and then moving to watercolor. Because some people, I also teach kids and somehow when they start with watercolor, with acrylic, it's somehow hard for them to transition to watercolor because they tend to approach yeah. watercolor the same way that they approach acrylic like very thick they would want mm. it to be very vibrant but yeah from your perspective and point of view uh Bachami, you said that it's 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 a good practice to start with acrylic so that you can control your brush yes. and i think that's a yes. really good perspective when you want to start with watercolor because it's yeah it's definitely it's, it's hel- yeah because watercolor obviously as the moment you just put it it just it's like it just moves yeah. around, right? But then, and then you'll be like, "Am I doing it wrong?" But at least if you have some practice with the brush, at least you know that your brush strokes are right. It's just That's that the right. medium is such that yeah. it's it blooms. I I like also when you mentioned earlier in that that watercolor is it's unpredictable, but that that's the beauty of it. Yeah, it can surprise you. Yes. Now, going back quickly to what you said earlier, that you want to start with simple subjects. Mm, so yeah. what were the few subjects that you started with? So initially, I started with florals, because that was something, uh, as I said, acrylics, with acry- because of acrylics, I already knew certain brush strokes, and I knew that, you know, a certain way, I'll get certain effect. Yeah. So it was easier for me to do loose florals, or at least whatever reference I had, to translate it into my painting, it was easier because I knew the brush strokes. And even if I did not, if I had not known the brush strokes, it would have been easier for me to uh, do it because it's not a, what to say, it's not a huge or what to say, you know, a painting that has to come together with a lot of different elements. If it's just yeah. one flower, its composition is with five to six brush strokes that can do it. Yeah. So even if that one flower goes wrong, it's not like you've wasted a whole page. You can still try another one. Because that's, a, again, another different uh, subject on whole. Uh, because the watercolor materials are really expensive to mm. just experiment and go wrong every time. Sure. Right? It's, it, it burns your pocket. So you, you always contemplate a lot. Should I try this? I don't want to waste my paper. I don't want to waste my watercolors. <laughs> so that also happened a lot for quite some time with me. But then eventually I just gave up and I was like, I have, I've already bought it. I've already bought all the supplies. So just why not use it before it spoils? <laughs> sure. I have the same habit too that I'm kind of keeping it in the stock. Yeah. Like I don't want to use it first or I would cut like... Small pieces of paper uh, just to save, or sometimes, you know, the good ones like 300, 320 GSM. So I would paint it. Yeah. Yeah. I I always paint on both sides because. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Right. I mean, not unless you are like doing it for a commission. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like what you hear so far? Make More Art the podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So we would like to give a shout out to Ramona Wickstrom from YouTube. She said, what a treat to get to meet the Etcher team. This is the second one I have seen now and I love them. Andrea Nunez said, this was an awesome episode. Loved Alon's genuine desire to connect through sketching. Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. 
So florals. Mm -hmm. Now tell me how you slowly transitioned to the different, because I know you do a lot of great landscapes. You do paint yeah. skies. Yes. Yeah. So that the, the, exactly sky is what I, sky was something that I was aiming from day one. That oh, was my, okay. it was my most favorite subject. And that was something I wanted to paint all along. Mm -hmm. And out of a lot of disappointments and you know, heartbreaks, I learned it the hard way that I started from simple subjects like floral. I mean, I'm not saying that florals are easy. I'm just saying that I found it uh, easier. As I said, I can, you know, have just small, small flowers and practice. So that was easier for me to, to compartmentalize, like, you know, just one thing yes. at a time. Yeah. So that's how I started with that. When I was confident and I was, I understood how that watercolor is unpredictable, how it blooms, what amount of water, what amount of paint is actually required and how it behaves. So after practicing a lot of flowers and leaves, I real, I mean, I got a hang of it. So after that, I started painting skies. So uh, initially, if I see my old paintings, I my approach was not as loose as it is now. I mean, I used to, I have a lot of uh, hard edges in my watercolors mm -hmm. earlier when I, initially you know three years back yes. when I painted clouds but right now I mean over time I have figured out how to uh, paint it the way I want to lose candy sky and you know right. the soft the, the soft, soft yeah of, yes I think when you're starting you're right there will always be those hard edges but over time you mm. really get to identify what yeah. your style is and if you're going for loose and speaking of style what would you say your style of watercolor is because I know there are some of your works that are quite not really very realistic, but somehow they are very defined. Mm -hmm. And then there are those that yeah. are loose. So what would you say your yes. go-to style is? So uh, I I don't like, I mean, I like to paint something that looks close to realism. Mm. But at the same time, it's not um, it's not like a photocopy or it's not okay. the exact same copy. Right. So I, I feel that my style is somewhere, uh, some component I decide to paint loose. And some component, I decide to make it, you know, make it more uh, rigid or, you know, yeah. have proper boundaries and hard edges. Mm -hmm. So it's like a mix of both. If you see my urban landscape, I like to paint a lot of foliage. My foliage is usually loose, but again, still on top of that, I'll always have some, some uh, defined leaves, right. some defined flowers. So yeah. I like to mix both. So that it doesn't look too realistic at the same time it is loose. So there's a so good balance for both. Yeah, yes. So that's that's my generic approach. Okay. Let's talk about colors. Mm -hmm. um, I saw in one of your FAQs what your go-to colors are. Do you keep like a palette with all your, your go-to colors? Or are you the type of artist who would leave some of your mixed, you know, palettes and you don't clean your your no, I clean my palette. <laughs> oh, I, I keep I keep it. I okay, clean you're that type because, of artist. So you clean yeah. them after painting. Okay. Yeah, I not after painting, but before starting a next painting, I clean the palette because uh -huh. I just I want to try different new colors. I whatever I have used in my previous painting, I don't want to use the same thing. I like to. I like to keep it very colorful and I like yeah, to, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. I, I don't work with mute colors or I'll have at least four different colors in every painting. So it's it's like I just love I just love colors. I have to have a yeah. lot of colors and I have I to have different yeah. colors. Right. Yeah. So that's why 
I always clean it. Even if I'm, you know, I end up doing the same mix. I don't care, but I just have to clean it so that I'm not biased towards what color already is there on my palette. You know, so that I can go with the flow. Sometimes as I feel like, oh, this color might suit. You know. Okay. I, I, in on the flow, I just try to get the colors and mix. Something to think about because I normally I don't clean my palette. <laughs> I just need, sometimes there are like mixes that I really really like, and yeah. I yeah, and I kind of I don't take notes. I don't mm. write down Even, yeah. Maybe I should. Let's go back to subject. And how do you approach a painting when you're starting it? Because I know you do a lot of subjects, right? But you yeah, do, you have some sort of rituals. How do you get? Except, of course, washing your palette. Do you have any <laughs> sort of like rituals or process before you start painting? Where do you draw yes. inspiration so, from? Yeah, yeah. I I usually have reference photos as okay. in whatever I see in Pinterest or uh, if I see the such wallpaper suggestions and desktops and things like that and sometimes most of the urban landscapes are from my travel photographs so i just like to capture those moments uh, apart from urban landscape if it is uh, something like a colorful sky or uh, you know sky or just generic landscape where there are some mountain cascaded mm-hmm. mountains and some roads and trees so sometimes i like to change the color palette of the reference picture if it's all green and yellow then maybe i would try some peach and red mix or something like that so i would like i like to experiment with a different color palette but i like to have a reference photo basically for a sketch or at least to uh, have a idea you know uh, about pers- about the perspective to get all the shadows right i like to have a reference picture but that's just reference i just i just keep it as a reference in case i feel i'm lost other than okay. that it's always after the sketch it just i just uh, paint with whatever colors i feel like painting it with yeah yeah and when yeah. it comes to urban landscape i i just keep it however i i see in the photograph because uh, most of the time if it is from my travel photos it's it's like something that i want to keep as a memory and how i remember it so i just try to keep it keep the colors as real as possible mm-hmm. but otherwise sometimes if it has a lot of flowers and colors and I just put all the colors in. <laughs> <laughs> go crazy with the colors. Yeah, go crazy okay. with the colors. I like it cuz it's it's art is an expression, right? And yeah. whatever you would want to express on your works, that would definitely reflect on your art piece and your your pieces. Yeah, I know uh, I mean it's gen- it's a generic or it's traditionally people usually follow a certain color oh. palette like the warm and cool combinations and stuff like that. Yeah. But somehow I it before me it becomes way too technical i just like to you know enjoy and go with the flow but i'm not saying that that's not a good process or anything I'm yeah not, that's not that's not what i'm trying to say i'm just saying that's definitely a good approach and it obviously gives you a good color balance in your photo in your right. paintings mm-hmm. but somehow for me i don't i don't enjoy that process <laughs> to think so much like this will match with this color or things like that yeah. I, just, i just go with the flow I like it going with the flow and uh, looking at a reference photo and changing the colors you know shaking things up yeah. by changing the colors yeah. from the reference yeah. photo and that gives you the creative freedom to really transform yeah. it into your own and yeah another thing why I do that is um, or I would suggest anybody to do that is uh, it saves you from heartbreak if your <laughs> painting doesn't look like the reference photo That's very because good. obviously you know that because you know that you have put something of your own in it right so yeah. 
I mean, it just directly infers that it cannot look just the same like what is in the photo. Obviously, the colors have changed. So, you know, even if it doesn't look like it, yeah, usually what happens is uh, for me, initial days, what I have experienced is the first day when I paint something, obviously it does, it did not look like the reference photo. And I used to feel like this is so bad. I don't like it. I just Mm -hmm. want to, you know, uh, throw it off. But then the next day or after two days, when I look at it without the reference picture in mind, I feel, oh, this is a good outcome. So every time when you have a reference picture, you're, you tend to uh, compare it with the reference picture. Yeah. But it'll mm-hmm. not, it might not look the same. 90% of the time, it'll not look the same. But it, but it doesn't mean that it's not a pretty painting. To your point, that saves you the heartbreak of looking at the yes. reference photo and saying, oh, it doesn't look yes. exactly. But- so yes. let's talk about teaching because I know that you will be mm-hmm. teaching with Epsher and we'll talk about that in just a bit. What was yeah, the, I, like the turning point that led you to that decision that, hey, I think I would want to teach? Yeah, so I was getting a lot of questions over Instagram about uh, this, uh, you know about certain videos that I would have uploaded. How do you approach this? How do you approach that? Can you please start a YouTube channel or can you please some more tutorials and stuff like that. And obviously back three years back, Instagram was totally different. It's not possible to put an elaborate tutorial. At the same time, I did not have the time to uh, make a completely dedicated or a nice YouTube video or a tutorial back then. So that's when I just thought that maybe I could just try workshop when there are a lot of people who are inquiring about how to paint this, how to paint that, how do you do this, how do you do that? And and workshops are not really about just the painting because it's also about a lot of materials because uh, people who attend the workshop, they don't know what are the right stuff that need to start with. Yes. At least that from the with the physical workshop that I'm talking. Yeah. It's also about that, not just about the painting. So I used to get a lot of questions on materials and stuff. So I just thought it's more like a, educating them how they can start their journey and just you know giving them a push giving them a start to start painting so right. that's how it started and uh, I got good response the first time I uh, uh, conducted a workshop so that's I, I just thought I can just continue this and I, it was actually uh, fun yeah I have to agree with the material especially with watercolor it can be a little bit tricky to just go and to the workshop and expensive. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you are not using the right materials or else, you know, you will be frustrated because you're not going to be getting it. You will not yes. be able to get the effect, the effect that you're expecting. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of workshops and this one, I'm excited because I'm sure a lot of people are also looking forward to seeing you paint. With Etcher in your live demo, what will you be demonstrating? Let's talk about the live demo first. Yeah. So for live demo, uh, we are going to, the whole theme of the uh, workshop, live demo and the mini workshop is basically urban landscape. Um, I have, I mean, most of the classes are usually, um, what I have seen commonly is that it's focused on an, uh, a bigger scene where there are a lot of city, you know, a cityscape where there is a lot of buildings or there are too many elements like the water, there's a bridge, there are so many yeah. buildings and going on in the scene. So instead of that, I just thought that it would be interesting to have a subject where we're just concentrating on just a door or just a window pane and just some flowers, or, oh. you know, the small components of the urban right. landscape. Yeah. So for the live demo, uh, what I have decided, I mean, what we have discussed is uh, to have a uh, a window 
in the scene a window and some flowers and mm-hmm. some colorful wall so i'm trying to keep it uh, as simple as possible in terms of uh, the sketch and subject so that uh, we don't have to stick to the exact same color that i'm using yeah. uh, it's the palette will be you know the color palette is open to whatever people is uh, it's available for the folks who are watching they can use it whatever they have at the same time the sketch is also simple so that they're not overwhelmed yeah. as simple yeah. as possible yeah agree yeah agree. at the same time get some you know share some nice effects like some brush strokes or how you can get some uh, different that woody textures and uh, different kind of patterns or how right. you can paint with negative paintings you know, just Ooh, uh, negative just have painting. a good mix up okay yeah. that's good let's touch on real quick before we we end this episode about composition because given mm-hmm. that you're doing a lot of different subjects how do you approach mm-hmm. composition because it's a usual question that people would get like a blank canvas and i don't know which yeah to paint which part or how do i position everything okay so my, I, what i would say is uh, usually when you see a bigger scene or a, a picture which has a lot of elements as a reference picture if you have that reference picture will have a lot of components in it as it is so if i see a big cityscape uh, what attracted me is uh, the buildings so i'll mm-hmm. make sure that i have the buildings much more highlighted and i'm not concentrating too much on the other mm-hmm. stuff like the sky and the water okay so it's like you're just focusing on that one particular subject that attracted you more and you concentrate on that sometimes it's colors uh, sometimes um, it's like you know if i see some edited photograph in pinterest which has a lot of colorful sky you know clouds and you know, yeah. sometimes it's unrealistic you know it's catchy to look at so it's just in, that that color is inspirational and i don't try to paint it exactly the same way how it is there in the reference picture but i try to work around with that color and you know make it look like whatever is there just just yeah. taking inspiration from that i mean that's 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 one thing that i have learned that you can you don't have not to force myself to make it exactly how it looks in the reference picture but you just have to find that yeah just have to find that that thing that attracts you to the painting or that subject that you want to paint. I like that approach Panchami and cuz it's it's a common composition woes is one of the pain points of anyone who's starting like I really don't know how to start where should I put my florals at yeah. up down or the center Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that during the live demo especially with you hinting that it's you'll be focusing on like a zoom in part of the urban landscape which is like when yeah. they will definitely yes. learn a lot from you and i personally learned a lot from the techniques so. and everything that you shared in this interview especially the approach in painting the style so just mm-hmm. to wrap up this episode panchami your takeaway that you would want our listeners up to get from this interview like a golden nugget that you would want to share with them yeah so what i would say is not to get too disappointed it's it, you know if you're when you're practicing something or trying to learn something you'll definitely not get the exact same output that you're expecting especially when you're learning from somebody or you're you know taking a class or something it will not be the same because every person has a different approach different way of moving the brush so obviously the end result will not look exactly the same even i can't produce reproduce the same painting twice the second time i paint something it'll look different than the first one right. so not to get disheartened is what i would say says continue even if you feel it's uh, it's it's a lost cause just continue because 
you don't have to lose anything you'll just learn from even if it's a failed piece you learn something what not to do but most of the time i'm pretty sure it turns out good because every painting has that ugly face where you feel that it's not going to go great but then i would just say keep going and you just have to keep continuing and not to be disheartened that's all i would say to everybody who's learning and who's trying to upscale their skills thank you panchami and heartbreaks are part of the process you guys yes heart <laughs> yes heartbreak is a part of the process thank you so much <laughs> just don't let, just don't let it you know get to you that's it <laughs> right right thank you panchami for sharing your process and i'm excited because i know people will be learning a lot from your demo and your mini workshop and we look forward to you being part of etcher uh, as yes, one of our artists so thank you for your time and please stay safe we'll speak to you again thanks so, thank you for your time as well it All was right. nice talking to you thank you it's happy to share <laughs> Making art shouldn't leave you heartbroken. In fact, it should be the other way around. It should inspire you to keep making art. Just like what Panchami said, don't feel disheartened, just keep going. What was your favorite part from the episode? Let us know by leaving a comment through the blog post associated with this podcast at etrolab.com slash panchami. Wanna know what goes behind the scenes here at Etcher? We heard ya! We are lifting the curtain and giving you VIP access to do just that. Get to know who does what here at Etcher Lab. Joining me for the Etcher Community Spotlight is Brittany. I call her Brit, but she's one of, I would say, the OG or the pioneer for the studio host here at Etcher. And a little backstory is that when I, I wasn't part of Etcher yet, she was supposed to be my studio host. And uh, we had a conversation prior, but this girl has really come a long way when it comes to hosting. And I will let her introduce more about herself. So please welcome to Make More Art, Brittany. Hi, Britt. Hey, thanks for having me, Jesse. Um, yeah, so my name is Brittany. Um, I'm a Canadian artist. I've probably been creative ever since I was a little girl. Um, my parents would often buy me art supplies and craft kits and stuff like that growing up. Um, my dad was also kind of creative. He would draw and uh, I would color them in. And then um, that's kind of how I got started, I think, with like learning to, I don't know, shade things properly mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. My dad isn't an artist by any means. Uh, he just kind of did it for fun. But yeah, I was doing it ever since I was a little kid. And just never fell, fell out of love for it. An artist by heart and a studio host by day. And that piece that you have on the back is something that you're currently working on, right? Yeah, yeah, that's for my brother. Um, he moved out of my parents' house and he needs some art on his blank walls. So figured that was a good um, like home welcome gift. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned, yeah. I mentioned, Britt, that you know, you're one of the OGs, like the originals. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the studio host, for, for the studio host team. So can you take us through that journey, how you started with Etcher? Because I know that you yeah, have so, something on the side, which is for an art supply shop, right? An art an art shop. Yeah, uh, funny story. I recently left that art supply job. <laughs> um, it, was, it was honestly very, very tempting to just buy things after my shift all the time. <laughs> and I was like, looking at my bank account and I was like oh I probably should stop that wasn't the reason um totally the reason why I left I got a, a better job opportunity at uh, I'm actually a bartender too 
I ended up with Etcher, uh, but basically like I was a fan of Etcher for a few years. I loved their products and their bag, like their big art satchel. It's kind of dark in the corner, but it's just, just right there. You can see it hanging up. Um, Showing that to me during your contact call. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love their products. Um, So when I literally say in the, in the demos that I do, you know, I have this and I love it. I'm not lying. I actually do love their products. I was a fan before working for them. Um, And that's kind of how I started working for them. I followed them on Instagram and on their story, they had a quick little post thing of like, do you want to join the Etcher, you know, family and be part of our like hosting thing. And I was Mm -hmm. like, cool that, you know, I wasn't working at the time because of the pandemic. I was just at home. I'm like, you know what, this might be fun. I love this company. And, you know, I was going to apply. They, I probably won't hear anything back anyways. You know, probably thousands of people apply to this yeah. job. And then I heard back from the co-founder, Simon, and we did an interview and he was very happy with it. And then I talked to Anya and she basically hired me on the spot in that interview, second interview. And uh, the rest is history. And here we are. <laughs> here we yeah. are. What is with studio hosting that you love so much? I mean, aside, of course, that you get to work with artists and, you know, being part of Etra, which is like what you said, you've always been a fan of. Mm-hmm. But what's the best thing about being a studio host? I think one of the things that people probably wouldn't necessarily think of saying with this job is that I've really come out of my shell with like talking to people. Um, it, it sometimes takes me a little bit to warm up, even at the beginning of demos, I'll still be a little bit nervous, like at the beginning of this one, when I was talking, I'm still a little bit shy. And then, you know, once I get going, I'm okay. Uh, in high school, you wouldn't catch me dead doing public speaking. Um, <laughs> I was terrible at it. Uh-huh. I was not good at it. I'm, I'm great in one-on-one conversations or small group things. Somehow in this interface, it's easier, maybe because I can't physically see everybody watching. But um, yeah, I've come out of my shell a lot since doing that. Um, Another thing, like learning so much, like technique from different artists, just from watching. It's it's great. You mentioned that you you didn't do a lot of public speaking back in high school, but this being a studio host led you to come out of your shell. Take us through your first live demo. Oh my God. How was the experience? (laughs) It was, okay. I don't know if I told you when you were going to be just like an artist working with us and I was doing my host interview with you, how terrible the first one I did went. Um, It was utterly disastrous in my opinion. Um, (laughs) So I'll walk you through that. (laughs) Um, So basically it was with uh, Jean-Francois Arnaud. Uh, He was, he's a French painter, brilliant painter. It was in the beginning stages, like you said, I was a little bit more of an OG. There are more OGs than me um, in the Etcher host community, uh, but I started um, in 2019 with them. And uh, yeah, so I was doing, about to go live and I was pretty nervous. It was the first time doing the connection from Zoom to YouTube. And like whenever you do a connection from Zoom to YouTube, a second screen always pops up. Yes. And you're just supposed to close that one because you don't need it. It's just extra sound. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. <laughs> um, so there was like a bouncing feedback of everything that we would say. And I was like, oh my God, where is this coming from? And we're live at this point and I'm freaking out, not knowing how to close it, get rid of it. And Jean-Francois was like, what is going on? You know, what am I doing? And anyways, so 
we eventually figured it out. I forget who, I think Anya eventually hopped on mm -hmm. and realized that it wasn't going good and she needed to help me. And she did, she saved me. And um, we had 30 minutes left in the demo and Jean-Francois ended up just busting out a painting in 30 minutes. Don't ask me how he did it, but it was a beautiful painting. And yeah, so I don't think it's available on our channel because of how <laughs> awful it went. In my first time, you were there. In my first mini workshop, you were there too. So it looked like, like you were the buddy um, that mm -hmm. Anya signed at that time. And I'm grateful because a lot of things that I am doing right now as studio boys, I learned from you. So just want to thank oh, you. Oh, that's sweet. But Brett, it's, it's been fun chatting with you. And like what I said, you know, there are a lot of things that, that you shared in this interview that I didn't know about. And I'm sure our listeners or community within Etro would be so much interested to learn more about what you do as a studio host, how you started. So thank you for sharing that journey with us and for sharing that commission work that you're currently working on. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and we look forward to seeing more of you during your live and of course the recorded mini workshop. Thank you, Britt. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. We would love to hear your thoughts, so please drop us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast where you can find us on YouTube at Etro Studio. And, oh, hitting the subscribe button is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next time. Until then, let's make more art.